Hi, I'm Sakita Holly. I am an award-winning publicist and entrepreneur obsessed with transforming brands, and I am dedicated to sharing everything that I've learned along the way to help you win at work, in business, and everywhere in between. On this podcast, you will have direct, unfiltered access to your favorite creatives, entrepreneurs, and executives, and the methods that have made both them and myself successful. This is the Sakita Method. To live tweet this episode, use the hashtag the Sakita Method and be sure to tag me at Miss Success, that's M I S S Success, on both Instagram and Twitter. Today's guest is Abu Fofana. Abu is a digital strategist and serial entrepreneur. He is the CEO of a digital marketing agency called House of Fofana, which is aimed at developing technology-focused solutions to help brands monetize their online communities. Abu has worked alongside some of the world's most recognizable Fortune 100 and 500 companies around the world, helping them transform their business. His career began at just 17 years old when he was given the unique opportunity to work at one of the big four, PwC. He contributes most of his early rise to the fundamentals he was able to learn during his time at the company. Even if Abu's name doesn't ring a bell, if you've spent any time on social media, chances are you've seen his face (laughs) and his ads. He is one of the preeminent experts teaching people how to promote and profit from their products or services by running paid ads on social media through his Power Your Launch Virtual Marketing Accelerator. Since its initiation in 2019, the Marketing Accelerator has helped over 500 women of color founders begin monetizing and growing their brands online and has helped Abu join the Seven Figure Club. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Wow, as you were reading that, I was like, oh, I did that. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the crazy thing about it is you've done much more than I, I even shared. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we, we are going to get into to all of that. But first, I have to ask you, how are you feeling today? Oh, man, well, today, that's a, that's a good emphasis on today. Uh, mm-hmm. Last few months, uh, you know, time of this recording, you know, we're going through it and you know 2020 with the pandemic so uh it's it's a lot of emotions um one i'm someone that's used to traveling all the time Uh, over the last year and a half every month i've been moving to a new city and setting up there so that's sort of out of the window um i was in the process of moving and that sort of you know slowed down and i got you know sort of stuck at going back to my mom's place and so in the first week was great you know, then after that, it's like, all right now, like, I got to I got to go find my own thing. And in the midst of this, you know, the, the black lives that were lost um, yes. and continue to be lost. And I think one thing the pandemic did is really amplify everything, not even what's occurring outside of us, but what's occurring inside of us. And so today I'm feeling great, a lot better than, you know, what I have been feeling because you know, when you have to sit with your emotions, you sort of have to, to face them. And over the last few weeks, months, I've, I've done a lot of that. So I'm feeling really good today. I know that was a long answer, but... <laughs> no, that was perfect. That was perfect. Because, you know, a lot of times when we ask that question, we don't prepare to actually hear the answer or listen. And I think we've become conditioned to not even really fully answering that question. So I appreciate that you gave that level of detail. So thank you for that. 
Not a so problem. you've you've had a very impressive career, some of which I've touched on. But within the last year, you've shifted your focus to helping women of color founders grow their businesses through your Power Your Launch Marketing Accelerator. Can you explain to the listeners what this accelerator is and what it does? Yeah, so this is something that I had saw um, in the industry um, early on. I identified, um, you know, so to to frame this when i was working in corporate america i was trying to figure out essentially um you know what i wanted to do next and at that time my side hustle i would go help business owners out and a lot of the business owners i, were, I was helping at that time were black women black women business owners uh you know women of color so um what i found was that they struggled with working with um agencies around marketing because they didn't really listen to what they wanted to do and here I was, I, I provided the same solution, but I just listened. And so when I transitioned from corporate into doing my own thing into Power Your Launch, the Marketing Accelerator identified two things. One was how can I teach something, a skill that you know someone could change their economic situation with? Because up until that point, I used marketing, digital marketing, paid advertisement, in order to change my own economic situation when I was 17, 18 years old. The second thing was, how can I, you know, make sure I, I put people through this program, this intense program, but when they come out, then they have the ability to earn. Like we talk a lot about, you know, um, investing in people by um, other things besides just teaching them how to make money, right? We talk about mentoring them. Sometimes people don't need more mentorship, right? They just need to know how to secure the bag. So that that way they could change their economic situation and they could become the mentor. So it's really around how do you put economic empowerment into, you know, minority communities, to black women in order to change, you know, the, the landscape for them. And then they could also change their family and other business owners that are around them. So it's a, a accelerator, it's an intensive that's focused around teaching entrepreneurs how to understand the skill set of running advertisement, uh, monetizing their presence, their brand and their business, whether they have a product or service-based business online and being able to develop the critical thinking skills around reading data, understanding numbers and getting in front of their ideal audience all from their laptop. They don't have to go anywhere, right? They could just do this all from their laptop and it's a certification program. And at the end of it, you get a certification that you graduated from this program. And as I've been building this base of a lot of different business owners that are going through it, I'll go to, you know, different events or I'll be online and, you know, I'll notice this person took my program or that person <laughs> took the program. So it's really cool to see the impact that it's sort of having and propelling entrepreneurs further. So there are many methods one can use to grow or scale their business, but you've chosen to focus on paid ads on social media. What made you choose that focus and why do you think social media ads are so important and crucial to a business's growth? Yeah, so I think the reason why I decided to paid ads, um, at that time, I didn't know any better. Like, I didn't know that at this world of paid ads, I was at university and I was trying to figure out how to sell my products to people that were outside of my campus. Um, and vending, you know, I was sort of tired of driving four hours to the closest city just to vend and then not even break even. So I was like, well, what other way can I get in front of people? And, you know, when we watch TV, we see commercials. 
right? Those commercials are sort of amplified. You pay for that time in order to have that product or service that you're talking about in that commercial. And I was like, well, what's the way for small business owners that don't have this huge commercial budget in order to get in front of their audience? And that's when I went into this rabbit hole of learning paid advertisement. I, I would scroll mm. through Facebook at that time and, and Instagram and YouTube and Google. And I would see that, hey, like people are people that you know, normal like myself, I know they're not these big companies, but they're sort of amplifying their reach. And I explored it and I was like, you know what, what can I do this? And at that time as a college student without a big budget, that was the mm -hmm. most affordable way for me to market was to go into paid advertising, spending $5 a day at that time in order to amplify my reach. And I think now with, you know, social media is a free platform. The way they make money is through advertisers, advertising on the platform. And so if you were to post something on Instagram or Facebook, it wouldn't get in front of your entire audience that's following you. In order to get in front of all of them, you have to pay. You have to pay to play. And so I knew that growing organically would take a long time. Going viral is like being struck by lightning. And I was like, okay, but I could sort of run these advertisements and it'll make me go faster. It'll accelerate my growth. And that's how I sort of ended up in this paid advertising world where it just makes sense. I've started multiple businesses and I've always used paid ads to accelerate the growth. Mm. What is a common misconception about growing a business on social media and a common misconception about running social media ads? Yeah, so there, there are like these two buckets of people on uh, that are growing businesses that are on social media. One bucket is in the camp of I need to do everything organic. <laughs> I need to, I need to be organic. I need to, and they go slow. They grow slow, and sometimes they even grow themselves out of business because they're not growing quick enough. Um, so they have this idea that paid advertising is bad. And I'm telling them everyone is doing it. <laughs> everyone is using <laughs> yes. this tool in order, right? It may take you five years to get $100,000, but someone using paid ads, it's taking them six months to do it. So yeah, mm. you could beat your chest about how organic you are, but you may right. be out of business in the next year. And so there's this misconception that, you know, you have to grow organic. No, you don't. And then the other big thing is that people think paid advertising costs a lot of money and it doesn't cost a lot of money. When I started, I was using $5 a day. And then when I made money, so when that $5 turned into 10, I didn't go order some pizza, even though I love pizza, you know, I didn't order. I took the entire $10 and I put it right back into the advertisement. And when that $10 turned to 50 and that 50 turned into 200 and that 200 turned into you know, 10,000 and that 10,000 turned into 100,000. All I kept doing was reinvesting, was reinvesting the capital back. Exactly. Wow. Uh, so you would say, and, and I was going to ask you about a good starter budget, um, but I love the example that you shared about when you started in college with just $5. Like you, you can literally start today, basically, is what you're saying. Like it's within reach for all of us. Like if there's a business owner um, listening to you talk right now that is like, okay, I'm I'm ready to start this process of running ads, what should they consider first? I think the first thing they should consider um, if they have this idea, one, you can do it because I've been that person, and now I train a lot of different business owners who are that 
person right now who they thought they couldn't do it themselves. And so there's this mental barrier of it won't work for me. Well, you'll never know unless you try it. (laughs) So you can't rule something out you haven't tried. The second thing is just like any industry that you spent the amount of time researching and occupying, you you know it took you time to get there. And so same with digital advertisement, it's going to take you time to get to that $100,000. It's not going to happen overnight. And so that frustration, a lot of times people will try paid ads one time, it won't work, and they start blaming paid advertising. They don't, they don't ever consider blaming themselves because they don't really know what to do and how to do it, right? right? And so they haven't been there that long. They tried it one night and hoping they were become a millionaire overnight, and it doesn't happen like that. And so I think that if you're interested in running paid ads, you could look at the free resources on YouTube University, on Google University, getting acclimated, listening to podcasts, uh, episodes like these or different podcasts where you're getting feedback from other people that are in the industry that are running ads. And then in the long term, as you build up your, um, you know, your, your cash flow, you can consider either A, learning it yourself. So that way, if you were to hire someone, at least you know what you're looking for. Uh, B, if you do learn it yourself, you know how to how to make money. You know how to make sales. You have the proper skill set. So that's sort of the path that I went on, the free university, until I had to eventually invest in myself to sort of grow by 5x or 10x in my business. Okay. And that, that was great insight. So thinking about ads in general, like what would you say are the best types of content to run ads against? Is it static images and graphics or is it videos? Yeah, so I think the big thing about advertisement when you decide to get into it is this patience game of understanding that the number one strategy is always testing Um, because you may test one audience with an image and video and the video performs well, but if you test a different audience, an image may perform better. And so it's about having this idea of, okay, here's the content that I've created and there's different types of content from customer testimonials from using your product or uh, being uh, in your service. Um, There are, um, you know, product usage videos of you showcasing that product or service. There are user-generated content of your, your customer walking through a tutorial. And so there are a lot of different types of content, but I think it's important to align it with also where part of the journey is the customer on. If the customer has no idea who you are, and the first video they see is you saying, hey, come buy this $1,000 coaching program, or hey, come buy this you know, $500 worth of products, more likely they're not going to buy it because they have no relationship with you. They haven't established who you are. So the content creation should be, okay, depending on where the customer is along that journey, if they're completely new, we should create content around that. If they're familiar with us, we should create content around that. If they pass customers, we should create content around that. So now we're getting specific with the type of content we're creating because what we're trying to do is resonate with each customer based on where they are in order to drive sales. Uh, For service-based businesses, is it a similar approach? Because obviously, you know, ad buying for a product-based business is pretty straightforward. Um, But what about service-based businesses? How should they approach the process? Yeah, so for service-based business, I think it's it's really the same 
in understanding that uh, what your customer is trying to answer are their objections, right? Is it worth investing this amount of money? So if you have a customer testimonial that says, wow, this was worth the investment. <laughs> now you've answered their, their objection, right, into the program. Or was it, you know, is it for this type of business? And then you have that customer testimonial saying, I didn't know, but this is for any type of business. All you're trying to do is align what your customers um, against in joining your program, that, that friction, and you're trying to create content that coincides with that friction. It's the solution to that friction. So then it eases their mind in making that investment. That was a great insight. And I hadn't really thought of it in that way. So thank you for that. What about as we're kind of going through just the line of, of different approaches to business, what about content creators and influencers? Should they be buying ads? Like if they want to, uh, let's say, grow their audience or if they want to reach, let's say, prospective brand partners? Yeah, so this is something that's really interesting uh, that I've been sort of studying over the last few years of, you know, a lot of times influencers, content creators, their first source of income is through brand partnerships, of partnering with these brands, amplifying those brands in their own communities. Um, And so the way I would use ads if I was a content creator influencer is creating my own products or services. If I'm making these brand partnerships, guess what my audience wants to know? How are you doing it? So maybe I'm creating a program around that. If if I'm creating these brand partnerships and I'm known for my hair, maybe I'm considering, you know, going and building my own inventory base to sell, right? So it's about if you're a content creator and influencer, it's great getting brand partnerships, but guess what that requires? It requires you showing up in that effort. But those brand partnerships is about you continuously searching for them in order to close the deal. The thing with paid advertisement is if you create your own thing, you could just be at home and you have this revenue stream that isn't dependent with anyone. It's independent revenue stream that you're building based on what you created, right? So if you're a content creator and people are following you for the type of content you create and the audience you've been able to build, maybe that's something you could then teach other individuals and in this you know, this info product information uh, society that we're sort of transitioning into. So as a content creator, I wouldn't, or influencer, can other brands run ads on your behalf? Yes, but that's because you don't know your value in that content. Mm. For example, I remember I was working with this influencer and I said, hey, can I use your image on this product that I'm running? And they said, sure. And I was like, I even, what's your rate? Her rate was like $200. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I turned that $200 into $200,000 <laughs> wow. because yeah. they, her audience knew her and I was using her asset to market my business. And so there's, there's this value exchange that they don't understand um, that it's, it's worth more using your own brand as an, as an ad to amplify that than allowing another, even another brand to use that as an advertisement. So there's a lot of different avenues, but I think your first point of business should be, I am a business. How do I treat myself as a business? How do I create products or services a, around that if I can? Or how can I partner with an up-and-coming brand and you know get into that business early on? How can I really position myself to earn independent revenue that's outside of a brand partnership? Right. That's that's so interesting. And it just goes back to what you were saying uh, about service-based businesses. It's like 
productize your service and for influencers it's like productize your content and it is interesting when you talk about people not necessarily understanding their value uh for my clients i work with a lot of consumer product brands um on the pr and brand side and sometimes um in in, as part of the strategy they want to allocate budget uh to have an influencer amplify let's say a tutorial on their own platform and i say that's great for that influencer you're growing their audience and yes more people learn about the product but why not use that content on the brands you know and advertise it from the brand's platform so i think that's kind of lost on a lot of people and it's still lost on a lot of brands um so I'm happy that you're clearing that up a little bit. So a lot of people are not fans of Facebook. Um, it's me. Yeah. I'm a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in order to run ads on Instagram, obviously you have to be connected to a Facebook ads account. Aside from needing the platform to run your business or that part of your business, what's your personal stance on Facebook? Yeah, it's a hard one. It, it really is a hard one. Like one they're in the wrong. So let's just clear that up. Um, I think when we look back on history, um, Facebook will, you know, be in the wrong side of history for this current moment that we're going through. Um, Overall, it's to be determined because I feel like every company has the ability to um, not right their wrong, but they have the ability to bounce back and become in, in the favor of people's eyes with Facebook it's hard and one thing they did was buy Instagram that's how they won the hearts of people back (laughs) because Facebook was sort of this company that you know when Instagram was exploding people there were more active activity happening on Instagram than there were on Facebook and that's why Facebook bought them and so it's it's like the things we love are then being purchased by these large companies that we don't really love. (laughs) And then we're in this crossroads. (laughs) We're in the crossroads of trying to determine, oh man, like, what do I do, you know, in this situation? Like, I love this brand, Instagram, but I really don't like Facebook, but Facebook owns Instagram. Uh, But I think right now with, with, with the climate, they're definitely on the wrong side. There's that Facebook versus Twitter, right? Which, which, uh, you know, I feel like Twitter is super progressive in a way that it's, it's 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 been engaged with the the audience and culture, um, whereas Facebook is is and social issues where Facebook sort of sets the rules. Twitter at least listens. Okay, what do people want? Great, let's try to make you know the majority of what people want. Where Facebook is like, no, this is how what it's going to be, and and that's final. So it's it's been it's been challenging. The only plus side for me is when I see small business owners winning on the platform on Instagram and running advertisements because that's their only avenue. Like they can't go vend, especially now because there is no vending opportunities. Uh, They could go to Google and YouTube, but those have a steeper learning curve than just running Facebook and Instagram ads. So uh, I think people are understanding, okay, I don't, like Facebook. I'm trying to utilize Instagram to grow my business, to then fund other organizations and and nonprofits as a, you know, extension of my brand. So it's like, it's, it's this, it's really difficult. It's something I even struggle with because I'm the first one that's always um, at Facebook's neck all the time. And they've, they've blocked my, deactivated my accounts before they've, 
And so, you know, I'm sure it was unrelated to my stances uh, on them, but um, it's been it's been very difficult to sort of figure out um, what to do next and what platform to utilize outside of Facebook and even Instagram to sort of grow and develop businesses. As I, you know, watch you just impact the lives of so many founders and I watch you scale your business, I have been thinking, you know, and also as I think about my own business and how I want to evolve, um, I recently quietly reactivated my personal account. Like I had an account that I would use to manage like client Facebook pages, but it was blank. I I literally only went in to manage content. And other than that, I was like, leave me alone. And I deactivated my personal account in like 2015. So I've been gone for like a minute. Yeah, and I reactivated it um, mainly because like it's, you know, Facebook, like you said, they own the ecosystem. So I have to, I I have to kind of join, rejoin um, the club because I am missing out on growth opportunities. And I think it's just as simple as that. You have to kind of put your business ahead of, in, in some ways, I guess, our personal interests. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And in the sense that it's always, it's always, like it's difficult decisions and I want everyone listening. If you're a business owner, um, it's a difficult decision because if you built your business on these platforms, it's really hard overnight to go left and, and just get off the platform unless you've been building a community where you can sustain your business because what, what the dollars it brings in allows you to hire people. So now you're thinking about employing people and then letting them go. And so it's it's very difficult decision. What I would say is continue, you know, um, continue engaging with the conversations that Facebook is having and Instagram and even in the platforms that are, are going to be up and coming in the future of, of change, right? And I think that's what we've been able to do is put a lot of pressure um, on these companies, uh, starting these conversations and then taking it even further to putting people in positions um, where they can listen to those individuals and change the culture and their policies as well. But it, it definitely is going to be an uphill battle because no one has ever talked back to them before. You have to realize all these companies have just been in their own little world and bubble, and now it's intersecting with culture. And, and now, you know, everyone is starting to speak up about that. Yeah, so I want to thank you for that. I want to shift the focus back onto you. <laughs> so lately, you've been talking a lot publicly about hitting seven figures in your business. Congratulations. And you've also been sharing the challenges that come along with that and come along with scaling your business. Can you discuss what some of those challenges are? Yeah, so... um yeah, don't say that too loud now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, look, you were talking about you wasn't buying pizza. You're going to have to buy a whole lot of pizza. Right, right, right. <laughs> Listen, I, I remember the first time, uh, even when I crossed over seven figures, the way I treated myself, I got a four-topping pizza. Like, I ain't even, I ain't even, bought, I just went and got four-topping pizza, called it a day. <laughs> but um, I think that, um, you know, with with the challenges that comes with, uh, growing a, a business and, and crossing over like I 2019 um, was my first crossing over seven figure mark and in, in, in 12 months. And what I found was it brought a lot of 
challenges in the sense that there are personal challenges and then there are business challenges. The business challenge was I did this without a team. I did it by myself. And so I traded in all my my hours in life (laughs) in order to do it. And it wasn't healthy at all. I was the customer service person. I was my accountant. I was the ad person. I was the teacher. I was the, and so I was doing everything where I didn't, you know, have that time for myself. So there are the business challenges and then you're like, okay, I need to hire, but you're trying to hire then while doing all these other things as well. And so it it was very difficult in that sense. Um, And then thinking about every day I wanted to quit because I'm like, yes, I'm making this money, but I I just feel, I don't feel like myself. I just, you know, something needs to change. And and I think that as we're building, um, you know, these are the difficulties. And I had to find a community of people who could encourage me and say, hey, Abu, I'm going to help you hire someone because I know you know, this isn't you. And I know you're going to get a lot further if I, if I just step in right now to, to help you. And that community and leaning on them really helped me. Now, on the personal side was very challenging because I was missing out on my friend's baby showers, the, the important things in their lives, because I was so focused on growing this. But I couldn't leave. If I left, then the whole business would fall down because I didn't build the proper structure. Right. And so and and not only that, but then relationships. Like I didn't have, I didn't go dating. Like that wasn't a wasn't a thing. And so you're sacrificing a lot. Like b- being in business means sacrifices. And you know it was the most challenging year dealing with depression. And on the outside, with the filters, right on Instagram, it looked like I was you know doing my thing. But I was really struggling trying to keep it all together. On um, my first year, you know, crossing over that seven figures. I'm so happy that you touched on that because no matter what level you are in your in your business, uh, it does require a ton of sacrifice. And you did it to the extreme, yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. you know, locking yourself into, you know, prover- a proverbial just office or place where you were just locked in creating and launching and supporting the founders um, that were in your accelerator. And that level of isolation obviously took a toll on your mental health, leading to depression, which Everything. so many of us. Yeah, it's you know so many of us deal with. How were you able, aside from you know the support system that stepped in to kind of say this is what you need in terms of you know a new hire? How were you able to bounce back um, from that that depression? And what are some ways that you keep yourself from slipping back into that space? Yeah, and so this is really good because even as of late, I'm like, uh, I'm about to go back to tw- like last year, 2019, and I'm like, wait a second. Um, I-, I think one thing that that helps is that um, you know being you know seeking people that are a few steps ahead of you. So I looked all across the industry and I was like, okay, this person similar to what I'm doing, a few steps ahead of me. How how are you doing it, right? How are you managing and getting insights from there? in order to, you know, run a more effective business. Like, hey, you're going to have to make bigger bigger investments. Yes, I know you've built this business based on what you knew, right? But in order to get to where you want to go, right, here's what I'm, you have to, your mindset has to change from, you know, spending $10 on that software a month to spending $1,000 a month on that software because it's going to save you, you know, 40 hours a, a, a month 
uh, based on the activity that you're performing. So really understanding that. The second thing was uh, making more time for my friends. Every Sunday, I will call my friends. I'll be like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, just making a, a routine. When I looked at my calendar the first year of running business, there was no time for my friends and even no time for me. So the third big thing I did was I allotted time for myself to do something that was not business related, that I couldn't be near my laptop and I couldn't be on my phone doing. And that was, you know, just getting active again, like going running, doing um, Tough Mudder runs and, and 10 mile runs and half marathons and, and just engaging in this active space and doing yoga. Um, and then the fourth thing I did uh, was um, just really um, understand that in order to operate, I need to sort of figure out the type of li lifestyle that I want to live first. So what I was doing prior and was what I learned from corporate, just work, 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 grind, grind, grind. But the reason why I left corporate was for freedom and flexibility. And I wasn't having that. And I was like, okay, if I had to take a step back, what's the kind of life that I want to live? And I said, you know what? Okay, I want to work two days out of the week. I want to work, you know, maybe 10 hours total. I want to travel more. I want to, you know, um, you know, spend time with, with more family. I want to go dating. I want, so these are the things that I want to do. So how do I make that happen? And how do I put the business around the lifestyle that I want to live rather than grinding it out? And that was something I was able to do by setting these boundaries and really understanding that, you know, business isn't a sprint. It's not a sprint that who can make a million first. It's this marathon that's like, okay, you know, can you still, you know, be healthy? Can you still feel like yourself? Can you still grow? Can you do all of that while also running a business? And so uh, the priority became me this year versus last year it was, it was the business, but I was going down the drain. Now it's me. And because I'm more focused on myself, the business has doubled in sales. It took us 12 months to make a million dollars. It took us uh, like, uh, what was it? Four months to make our second million dollars. Right. So it just it just doubled. That's because I put myself first. And when I take care of myself. Yeah, when I take care of myself. Exactly. Exa but I wouldn't if someone came to me last year telling me that I wouldn't believe them. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, what does that even mean? And <laughs> but you, you really have to find people that are a few steps ahead of you to let you know, hey, you really need to do these things. And that that's a huge thing that I think this current moment where we've all been forced to pause in some in some ways, even those of us who are blessed to have our own businesses or to still be employed, we've all had to pause in some ways, thanks to the coronavirus, the pandemic. Um, and many of us, I've been working since I was 14. Like I've never given myself a road break. Even if I've traveled, my laptop is with me. It's open you know, like I'm still working, I'm still checking in. But this moment has reminded me, like, I need to, like you said, what do I want my life to look like? Because once we get off the hamster wheel, that's when the exhaustion like really hits you. That's when the depression and anxiety, you're like, damn, I've been carrying all this, all this time. I can't go back to that. You know, so how do we focus on self-care? Because like you said, you can't pour from an empty cup. So if we fill our cup up, if we allow it to overflow by, by prioritizing our mental and physical health and joy, like, it, you know, just laughing or just, you know, enjoying our loved ones, 
we can grow our business as a result of that. And I think that's something that we need to champion more because like you said, we rarely hear that or we we have to crash before we learn that. Absolutely. I just want to know, like, you know, in it, what people don't know about you is that you have this huge business, but then you're also running, I believe, two other businesses privately. You don't share what they are, um, which is fine. How do you manage all of that and avoid being overwhelmed? <laughs> yeah, so it's not easy. <laughs> it's definitely not easy. Um, and I think now I'm at the stage where I'm able to set systems and, and things in place. Like someone always, I don't know if you know that quote, like it's like Beyonce and Oprah got the same 24 hours in a day that you do. But <laughs> listen, let me tell they you. they got a right hundred people. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, let me tell you right now, it's not the same. They have capital, and with capital, you could buy other people's time in order to perform activities for you. So I'm at this stage now where I have a little bit more capital, and I can hire an assistant, right? Like, I have an assistant, manages my business and my personal life. I could, you know, hire ops person. I could hire, um, you know, a chef. I could hire the meal prep, right? So I'm not doing things that take time. So the way I've been able to do it was deploring capital from my own money and saying, hey, I'm going to put these in places and systems in order to operate so I could have more of my time back because my time costs more than making a meal for an hour. I I could have made 5K, but I spent an hour making a meal. And I'm not saying that I don't like making a meal, but I'm just saying when you're trying to run multiple businesses or trying to juggle multiple things in your life, you have to understand what is my time worth? Is it worth me paying $50 to get my place clean because that three or four hours it would have taken me, I could get X or Y done. And so now it's about really being efficient and saying, okay, where can I spend my dollars in order to make sense? And how can I continue operating these systems? These systems do cost money now, right? (laughs) But you're you're making a little bit more money now in your business. You have to start thinking about what can I do to take off the tasks that take me a lot of amount of time because my time is worth me doing that task and I can make money in order to supplement that task, but also a wide variety of other tasks as well on my plate. So I'm just doing it with, with human capital, uh, with you know systems and software in order to run a more efficient, efficient life. I think that's the cheat code. I've heard a lot <laughs> of successful entrepreneurs that are more successful than me talk about the importance of buying your time back. And it may not even be buying it back to because you can generate money during that time. But like you said earlier, it's buying it back so that you have a moment to breathe. So that you have a moment to relax or maybe ideate and get creative about how you can continue to grow and evolve the business. And I remember I just I used to do everything myself, even like, you know, put together my little Ikea furniture or whatever. And I remember the first time I hired like a task rabbit, I was getting a new couch and I hired them to like move my old couch downstairs. The old me would have been like, okay, how am I going to drag this big ass couch (laughs) downstairs, put it behind the building, you know, do all that. And it was, it's so, it sounds so simple, but sitting there watching this person move my couch, I was like, wow, I don't have to do everything. Like I literally do not have to do, I don't have to run myself ragged 
um, when there are resources available. And um, there are resources like TaskRabbit and there are other services where you can hire help for very affordable rates, $30 an hour or even right. less than that. Um, so that to me has been, and it, I'm glad you reminded me of it because there's, I need to hire some people to help me do some other things. Cause I, it's easy to fall back on what you know, which is doing everything. And I can't, I can't, I can no longer do it. So I'm happy that you, that you shared that. So you mentioned Twitter earlier, and I just want to talk for a second about Jack Dorsey, who is the co-founder and CEO of both Twitter and Square. He has shared how he compartmentalizes his schedule in order to run these two multi-billion dollar companies. Now, obviously, he has a huge team within both helping him, but it was interesting to me how he shifted his days to focus on Twitter and then shifted them to, to focus on Square. I'd love to know about your process for running your multiple businesses. Yeah, and I, and I think for me, it you, you definitely need to be able to compartmentalize. And I think that's one thing I learned from, you know, playing sports at a young age. When you're on the field, it's like you're in one, one world. When you go off and with your family, you're in another world. And so um, really understanding that, you know, and, and not bringing your emotion. It's like when you have a bad day, but you're about to go meet up with a group of friends and you don't want to be the person that like brings everyone's mood down because you haven't seen them in a long time. And so it's about compartmentalizing, okay, this happened here, but you know, I need to raise my energy. I need to, you know, I'm about to go meet up with my friends. So it's sort of in the same capacity with me. I have these habits of, um, I mean, I wake up super early. I'm a morning and night owl, which is some people are either night owls or morning yeah, I'm, owls. I'm going to ask you about that. So go ahead. Tell on yourself. Go ahead. <laughs> right. So I get up at uh, like 5, 5.30 a.m. every day. And the way I start my days, I'll, I'll go for a run or do some sort of physical activity. And then I read about anywhere from 75 to 300 articles um, over the next 30 minutes, I skim. I just try to get up to date with current events, fashion, tech, um, et cetera. And at this time, it's like getting close to seven. Uh, a lot of times it's about like 6.45 a.m. And then during that time period, what I do is I look at, okay, what was what's on my agenda for the for the next few days? And I don't try to get everything done in a day. I try to get the three biggest items done that day. What are the three mm. biggest items done that day? So again, I operate on not trying to get everything done, only getting the three biggest items done. But I'm also a night owl in a sense that I know the time of efficiencies that I operate the best. It's early morning, afternoon or sort of a bust for me. So I have to be doing tasks that are um, um, that don't take a lot of effort, right? Clicking here, uploading this, um, or recording a podcast um, at in the evenings. Evenings are, it depends. Uh, sometimes your friends want to catch up. But it, it's normally around 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. where I hit my, my second genius zone, my second wave of um, energy where so my, my efficiencies on my day is between a 5 a.m. to about 10, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. to about 2 a.m. So I get these second waves of energy um, in order to get those three big tasks done that I have planned for that day. But the other big and my, my biggest secret power that I have just tapped into recently was just saying no, <laughs> and saying no and, and focusing 
because it takes this level of focus to not only operate one business, but if you decide to do others, you have to be so focused in what you're doing for the time frame that you set. That's the only way you're able to do other things. And so I have this superpower of focusing, but then the secret potential of just saying no to mostly 95% of the things that come to me. I just say no. And a lot of times it's not me saying no. My assistant already knows. Just say no. Like, just say no. And <laughs> well, I'm happy it. that you're here because I could have easily been on that chopping block. <laughs> no, I was like, no, oh, no, that we got we to gotta do that. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you're here and I'm happy that you are sharing this. And I've had a chance to watch you work up close and even to watch, you know, some of your IG lives and the watch over the last year um, or two, how you've kind of evolved and grown your business And your level of focus is really unreal. Like your ability to shift into that next gear and block all this other shit out is so impressive to me. And it's like, how do you do that? How? How? Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think with me, uh, you know, you, you understand that big goal that you set for yourself. Like, I want to change my life or some people's case, I want to change my family's lives or I want to get my mom a house or whatever that, that goal is for you. Um, but what I've found is that, you know, set goals that uh, are value-based, meaning that those are the things that you value. If you try to set goals that require motivation, you'll, you'll almost always fail because motivation wears off. But with values, what you do is you set habits in order to reach that goal. And the second thing I sort of had to do was set a alter ego for myself. I didn't just turn into this business person because if you know me and my friends that know me, they're like, Abu, you're so sweet. You're so kind. Like, how are you running a business? How are you saying no? And I had to create this alter ego where when I put on a hat, I'm Mr. Fofana. I'm no longer a boo. Mm, I'm like Mr. Fofana. Fofana is my last name for those of you that don't know. And so I had to create this alter ego. And that stemmed from, again, uh, I like looking at other people and what they're doing. And that was just understanding Beyonce, right? And Beyonce, she has Beyonce, but then she has Sasha Fierce. And she talks about this a lot in her interviews. When she gets up on stage, the energy just overwhelms her. And she turns into this person, the Sasha Fierce that's able to execute, able to put on some of the best performances ever. But that was her alter ego. That's what she had to do to take her mentality of like, yes, I'm Beyonce, but now when I'm performing, I'm Sasha Fierce. And and I think that's where I was like, okay, I need to create this alter ego. And sometimes we do and until we catch up to it. Because sometimes, we're, we, you know, it takes us a while to catch up to that, but we need to create this alter ego until we catch up to it to have that confidence and say, you know what? Okay, I'm also Beyonce now too on the stage. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic example because she does do that. And then, you know, once she's done her job, she retreats. Exactly. You know, that's when she does that. Okay, let me take a step back. Let me think about, you know, what do I want my life to look like or my art to look like next? Um, so in addition to your focus, in addition to how dedicated you have been to your businesses, most people would not want to make the level of sacrifices that you've made in your life in general to get where you are today, what drives you aside from, you know, is it just that vision of, okay, here's what I want my life to look like, or I want to change my life, but what really drives you? 
Yeah, it's um, it's this is a hard one because what drives you first doesn't mean will always drive you second or third. And with me, it was always you know to take care of my mom. Right, I come from background being a refugee. My mom raised seven kids by herself, and you know I saw her growing up. You know, as a child, like crying in the room, and so. My job was always like, man, I don't want her to experience that. How can I start working now? How can I, you know, help her and give her money? So that was always my drive. And I was willing to sacrifice whatever because what my mom sacrificed was way more than whatever I could sacrifice, right? Because she raised seven kids coming to a whole new country, not speaking the language by herself. So that was what drove me first. And, And then it changed over time. And so you have to find, again, the things that are related to your values, the things that you value rather than, you know, trying to make a lot of money. And, and trust me, um, you know, it's, it's and, and I get it. I get it. It's easy to point to money as being something that motivates you because without it, you know that, you know, here's the type of lifestyle I'm living. But with it, maybe I could live a better type of lifestyle. But one thing money doesn't buy you that they don't tell you is actual happiness and and being happy with yourself right first and then also being you know happy with the type of life that you're living and i used to always say well let me let me get money and find out well i I mean (laughs) listen i say that now so please do not bust my bubble all the way because i'm like look i'll let me let me show y'all i don't think i'm gonna be sad when i you know get my million it's funny because the, the, the year I made all this money was the year I was depressed, most depressed in my life. And it was because I wasn't happy with myself. And so in the pursuit of other things, what you always neglect is yourself because you have to put other things as a, as a priority. And that, that's how we are sort of programmed, right? And so make other things a priority. And then we become on the back burner as we're getting these accolades everyone's clapping for us, but we're like, yeah, it was, it was okay. Like, yeah. you know, we're not really like, we're not really proud of the moment or really understand it because we're next focus on the next prize. Like, okay, how do I get here? And so, you know, finding things that value. So with me, it was my mom. Now it's changed. Now it's, you know, economic empowerment, right. With, you know, jobs, laying people off. I'm like, you know what? I want to hire people. I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm let go. Right. I'm not saying that's the bad thing, but that's just something that I want. So now it's like economic empowerment. That's what's motivating me now more than Mm. ever. And what drives you first won't necessarily drive you second or third is so, so good. I'm I'm happy that you kind of shared that because it's true. And economic empowerment is a great kind of space to be in because you're already doing that. Like I've seen some of the success stories and it seems like everyone that comes out of your accelerator is a success story. Like your rate of success <laughs> with your founders is it has to be higher than, you know, similar offerings. Um, you know, and again, like you said, it's not necessarily about the money. There were people who were that I've seen with their product based businesses do your ex- accelerator and they were struggling to make, let's say, $5,000 and or kind of break even on expenses. And for them, hitting $15,000 a month in revenue was life changing. Exactly. So it doesn't have to be like this huge, you know, everybody doesn't necessarily need to make seven figures, but I'm sure you are going to create so many millionaires through the work that you do. And speaking of 
joining the seven figure club, like obviously, you know, you're very clear about having goals and benchmarks in your business. But at the same time, you've shared how you were feeling once you hit those goals. And and just in general, now that you're even in a better place, you still seem very nonchalant (laughs) about it, which makes me (laughs) curious about how you celebrate personal or professional milestones, because a lot of us struggle with that. Like you said, we're always focused on what's next, what's next, what's next, that we don't really appreciate what we've done until maybe we look back. Yeah, that's something that I'm still struggling with now. I I think the one thing that helps is friends out like celebrating everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That balances me out because when something happens for me, I'm like, okay, what's next? And they're like, oh, boo, we got to go celebrate. I'm like, wait, I just woke up. Like, are we celebrating that I woke up? And so, like, and, and just things like that. And so, you know, so that balances it out. But it, it definitely is challenging um, because, you know, I, I also don't have, like, vices like buying a new car or, you know, those aren't my vices. My vice has always just been around a personal investment. So I invest more in my learnings and my education than, you know, uh, and the people that, I'll have lunch with, sometimes I'll pay to have lunch with someone or get coffee with someone because I just want that information. I just, uh, you know, what the the questions that I'm trying to get answered. And so with me, it's sort of still, you know, challenging trying to figure out how do I celebrate my, myself. And, um, um, often, um, like a few times I've taken out friends by groups of friends out to the dinner without telling them. And then, uh, you know, the, the waiter would come around and, uh, they're asked for the check and they'll be like, oh, everything's already been paid for. And they're like, well, who paid for it? And I don't have my name, nothing on it. And with that, they just talk about it like, yo, I can't believe someone paid for all our, and I'm like, yeah, I know. How did they, but I knew I paid for it. <laughs> so, so it's just like things like little things like that. But I think with me, it's in the details. And so for me, the way I sort of celebrate is, you know, how I live my life and the time that I'm able to buy back and um, you know, certain, you know, money helps in this aspect of, you know, you're able to not worry about paying rent, for example, right? You're uh, focused on, and, and when I started making a little bit more money, and I was listening to this this other podcast with the uh, the CEO, and he was talking about the three layers of wealth. <laughs> he said the first layer of wealth at, at when you're making money is when you could go to a restaurant and you just order whatever's on the menu. You're not even looking at the price. And the second level is when you don't have to worry about mortgage, rent, anything like you could go live anywhere and you're not worried about the cost of of the the living. And the third level is you can book a $40,000 vacation a night before and go there without any worries. And so I'm like, you know, I'm I'm entering level two a little bit. Uh, we still level. eating out over here. We still eating out over here. Uh, we could we could we could get what we want off the menu. I'm entering level two, like it, it's been in in the beginning. I'm like, no, that wouldn't be me. But now, like when I go to a place and and I'm out with friends or just by myself primarily when I'm out with friends, I'm like, just get whatever you want. Like, just like, get whatever you want. But when I'm with myself, I still have this money mindset. I'm like, oh, let me, but I don't, I don't really spend too much time. I'm like, this is what I want. Yes. Okay, great. I don't, I don't really look at it. So I'm just like crossing over level one, you know, putting my toes into level two right now. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting just listen to, listening to you talk. There is so much as like our generation, 
um, experience success that we have to either unlearn or teach ourselves about mm. what wealth means. And even on, you know, even on that first level, you know, buying what we want off the menu, that can be a jarring experience when you hit that level. Absolutely. You know, it, it can be like, damn, did I make it? <laughs> and right. you, you know, you might just be at like Fogo de Child, but you thinking you a big, <laughs> you know, you think you a big shot, but because you are, and there's just so much that we haven't experienced. And I see so many of, a, of our peers like hitting these levels and it makes me happy. And then what you're doing is you're creating that space and experience for others. So I want to wrap up. Uh, I have two questions left. The first one is, what is something that is bringing you joy at the moment? Something that is bringing me joy at the moment. Let me think about I think I'm in the transition. Well, well, it's two things. The one thing is my physical activity has increased. So it feels really good to um, feel good. Like, it, you know, when you, when you wake up and your body just feels good. So that's something I'm, I'm happy with the consistency that I've been able to have because I'm stable. So when I was traveling, it's hard to build routines because you're always moving around, but you know, so that's one thing. The other thing is I'm in a transition of getting my own space. Like uh, my friend was, friends were joking around. My friend, Emily, she was like, you're the only millionaire I know that still live at their mama house. I'm like, wait a second now. Like, <laughs> right. Like, Don't come for me. Right. I'm like, I've just been here <laughs> since the pandemic. And so, um, so I'm in a, you know, I'm transitioning into my own space. So that's something that, you know, it's really cool going to visit apartments and, and I'm just visualizing, oh, wow, like I could have this here and that here. So that's something that is uh, bringing me joy that and just building a, a set routine because I'm somewhere still and my body's feeling good. Yeah. Well, so where do I, I always call you like the male version of Carmen San Diego? Where in the world <laughs> are you looking to purchase property or, or get um, your your own space? Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's um, between a few places. Uh, I was looking uh, late last year while I was visiting, and some of the things on my list were like New York, because when I used to live in New York, I had a really good time in, in, in Brooklyn. Um, I was looking at um, LA and, and uh, Santa Monica area, and I was also looking in Atlanta. Um, I thought about Chicago, but you know, Chicago is only hot like two months out of the year or one month out of the year. And so, so I was looking at those places and I boiled it down to either transitioning back to New York or, uh, transitioning and exploring Atlanta for uh, even a year and seeing, Hey, do I, can I see myself living here, uh, before, you know, going and, and fully investing and, and buying property? Can I see myself sort of living in Atlanta. So I'm in between these two places of transitioning to next. Okay. And my last question is, what are some goals? It can just be one that you have for the last six months of the year. Yeah. So one of my big goal is to continue growing uh, PYL and um, continue making economic impact. Uh, the, our first year and um, a few, I think year and a few months, we trained over a thousand business owners and collectively 
when I sent out a survey and, and when they reach out to me with the numbers that they're making, it was about $6.1 million generated wow. collectively. So that was only in a year and a few months. So my goal is to continue increasing that while hiring um, and, you know, hiring my team right now is, you know, it's all black people <laughs> and it's all black women. It's all black women. Uh, I found that when I listen to black women, I've had more success in my life. So I'm a, okay, come on um, now. Can you tell the people? Please tell the people. <laughs> from, you know, my mama to every other black woman I've been listening to, I, I found more success. Um, so that's uh, on the business side. I think personal goal is I, I want to um, build better habits when it comes to eating out, to eating uh, in general. Uh, because what I found is, and, and I, you know, talking to a lot of my mentors, is there comes a point where you're not competing on money anymore. You're competing on longevity. Who can stay alive the longest? And a lot of times with our bad habits, you know, we see a lot of, you know, young, you know, black men and black women going too soon. And a lot of times this has to do with the things that they're intaking and not only food, but also the other aspects of society. So my goal is, you know, how do I, um, you know, really take care of my nutrition how do I really feel good as well and own more of my time as I grow my business and hire more people? That is the perfect place to end because I feel like if you kept talking, you were going to call me out. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of my bad habits. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. I wanted to, you know, have this conversation with you on my podcast for a while. And I just, I'm happy that we finally were able to do it. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. I truly, truly appreciate it. I'm truly grateful for you, one, as a friend, and two, for having me on this episode. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Sakita Method. That was Abu Fofana. He runs the Power Your Launch Accelerator, which helps product and service-based businesses grow by running paid ads. I'm going to drop his information into the show notes so you can follow him and get to the bag. If you love this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're talking about it and sharing it online, make sure you use the hashtag the Sakina Method and tag me at Miss Success. That's M-I-S-S Success and the Sakita Method on both Instagram and Twitter.